Well, hello, Mark. Welcome to another. Welcome to your podcast. Another episode of yours and my show, Reactor. Oh, th- thanks for inviting me. It's, uh, it's great we, to be allowed on the show. <laughs> Before we get started, I want to say one thing. Mm-hmm. If we if we get ten listeners that are actually proven listeners, like so, actually ten people who like reach How out to us them? and say and say, I am listening to your show. Like, and they're not they're not sort of friends. They're they're real listeners. I uh, will make an intro. I will make oh. an intro music. That that is my bar for intro music. I, I think we may already be there, depending on the the standards for verification. Okay. So well, um, how's it going anyway? Happens. Yeah, great, great, great. How are you? How are you? You said you have a lot to talk about. So well, what's, uh, what's going I on? do. I have a ton of stuff to talk about. Just interesting stuff on the internet. But uh, I am done with my fourteen days wearing a mask, and oh, yeah. that's awesome. So I went out to eat like a zillion times. I uh, went out to uh, a bar with one of my French buddies who runs a similar kind of business as I do, except he teaches uh, um, blockchain stuff. So mm-hmm. that has been great. Uh, it seems like, uh, you know, I don't want to go too crazy with it, but Taiwan is is uh, still pretty safe as far as the whole virus thing. And uh, I even got outside and did a workout at the park. So all in all, it's uh, it's been pretty nice. That's awesome. Well, I'm glad that uh, some health stuff's coming up for you and that that's going well, because remember that uh, diabetes thing that I've been suffering from for the last 10 years and I've, I've not been yeah. able to control it? You got your yeah. monitor? Uh, I got my glucose monitor and it, that's shown me that I've been terrible at managing my diabetes. Well, since last week, I have nailed it. Nailed it. Because in, you get the a, instant feedback? No, because I've, no, I've had the feedback for... Um, I've had the feedback for a couple of months, which has shown me how bad I've been at managing my diabetes, but um, and I, which I've been trying to manage for you know ten years, and I've already known that I've been bad at managing it. But I've, because of I guess feeling very desperate about health, um, with a gun to my head, I have worked out a sustainable solution um, to completely manage and I think reverse diabetes. And also solve my weight loss problem that I've been trying to solve for the last 30 years. And as you know, I've tried many, many, many different um, ways to do that uh, oh, on the that's, Texas that's fantastic. So I think I've got a, a framework and a strategy that can work for me and work for anyone. So I'm very excited wow. about that. Like it's cool. really, well, it's a major thing. I want to hear how yeah. it how it goes. Yeah, but, but um, so I think this, this is going to be a good show because you've got a lot to talk about and I've got a lot to talk about. We both do, and, yeah. And um, I've made uh, good progress with task flow. I pretty much hit both of those goals that that uh, set last week. Nice. Yeah. So my main one last week was do some screencasts for Alchemist Camp. Yeah. I got two recorded and one of them edited and on YouTube. So yeah, that's good. I also published two more, uh, which I had previously recorded onto the site. Then I turned on the switch on the emails and. I, I did a mini launch, which actually I'm just going nice. to show you really quickly since we're up here. So That's in awesome. ConvertKit, I've got uh, a bunch of sequences from previous launches set up. One is, or I've got the uh, the page showing the stats on them. One is Black Friday from last time. Another one is called Sign Up Pitch, which I just did. The Sign Up Pitch is actually a little bit better stats than the Black Friday one even. It's a 38% open rate. Uh, I sent six emails over 10 days and the conversions were a little weird. Like usually, I I shouldn't say usually, but of the two previous launches I'd done before (laughs) this, uh, I got a bunch of people that would sign up as soon as the offer was was available and then it'd be really slow. And then a whole bunch of people would sign up like in the last few hours before it closed. This time, the conversions on signing up as soon as it was available were better than I've ever seen because I, mm. I only sent this out to the uh, 460 some people, 467 people who signed up since uh, I, since Black Friday, mm-hmm. but got five conversions in the first day and mm. then only one in the last day. So I'm not sure quite what happened, but uh, it's pretty. That's great. That's real money. Cool. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is some money, and it's also really repeatable. Because mm-hmm. in the summer, I did a pitch to everyone whose email I had, and then on Black Friday, I did that again. And there are kind of like only so many times you can 
squeeze the rag, you know, eventually, eventually yeah, yeah, you right. can't just keep pitching the same people again and again and again. Mm-hmm. But this time Good it was putting it. only new people. So I could do the exact same thing in, you know, another three months or even in another 45 days yeah. and just continually, you know, make sure every new person gets the offer once and then maybe pitch everyone just for Black Friday. So that was a win. I uh, didn't learn anything about Git. I was, I, I still want to dig deeper into the internals. Then number four was uh, do some stuff for Reactor Site, which I did because uh, that was what I was screencasting for. How many paying Alchemist subscribers um, do you have now? A hundred. So, okay, I've, so I've had a few so- churns. It's It's been like worse churn the last month than previously. So literally you added 5% to your bottom line. I just made up for churn, really. It's, made up it's for churn. Not, okay. It's because well, that, that's an, that's an interesting, yeah, it's an interesting issue. Um, the churn. Well, yeah, I'm that, doing a free series right now. So I, I think while I'm doing something that's free, the top of the line growth is better. And that is better right now than previously. But yeah. then once I'm doing a paid series, then a whole bunch of people want that want it will pay. And so I'll, I'll get more signups. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just, a trade-off. Anyway, enough way, of that. We got you got mentioned something about, about yeah. You mentioned something about launching uh, on indie hackers. Yes. So I have made this podcast into an indie hackers product, uh, and Perfect. I've I've retroactively filled in the the timeline. So December nineteenth, the idea emerged, and I talked about how we we had that phone call that led to this whole thing, um, coming up with the name of the show, recording the first episode. Uh, even a milestone hitting ten subscribers, although they're not uh, they're not verified. And then, so you uh, you should push each episode. I mean, if if it's a product, you should push push each episode into this stream. Well, there's supposed to be milestones. I don't think every single episode's a milestone, and it also takes you know takes some effort and time to do that. So I'm I'm a bit lazy since it's not designed specifically for that, and I think it'll they'll just get they'll get. Uh, um, uh, what do you call it? They'll they'll be downregulated. Okay. Uh, they want uh, they want exciting milestones. But I am planning like as soon as we get fifty subscribers, like that'll be a milestone. As soon I as see. we get, okay. yeah, you know, each 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 bit of progress. So okay. I've uh, I've written up one for March eleventh, which is titled "Lunch to IH Live on the Show." Right yeah. now we're recording our seventh episode, which we are. And since <laughs> our mastermind brainstorming chat already involves screen sharing. Why not uh, use some of that to go over these updates and share it? Because you know we're both busy. We gotta gotta make the most of our time. So that so this is not yet live. It's uh, not this stream. This stream here, but you're about to make it live right now. Yeah, I have to add revenue data, which I guess I'll do right now. I'll just say we have okay. zero revenue. Yep, sure. Let's see, um, let's see that. that's that's easy enough. Yep. And add visitors. I don't even know. Let's Google verify it. Screw that. Um, that's that makes no sense for a podcast. <laughs> okay, okay so, kept- so I think all we have to do is oh, it'll be approved within twenty four hours, right? Or not? So perfect. It is launched. launched. We yes. just did it. Yes, accomplishment. Woo-hoo! Welcome, indie hackers. Yes, it'll be interesting. Cause I've I've been on that site a lot, but I haven't you know I haven't shared any. Um, anything related to alchemist camp itself so so i'm welcome to our death metal logo oh yeah and our reactor death metal band name we are the death metal of podcasts the reactor is heating up and um when i do if we do get proven 10 listeners and i do do that intro it's also going to be i wouldn't say death metal but it's going to be quite a powerfully strong intro that's going to be some of of your music it's going to be. I've, I've, you, you, I've played you the song. Yeah, it's going to yeah, be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so speaking of, of number of listeners, mm-hmm. looking at the Pinecast feed, we seem to have 34 subscribers. And they mm-hmm. can't tell how many subscribers we have on Spotify or anything else. It's only through apps that are reporting in such a way they can measure it. So I think we're already there. Yeah, but are they, are they really listening? Look, I want to get 10 emails in my inbox to say I'm listening to your show. So you can send those those emails to J, JV. Wait, we don't have a, re- a reactor email address, do we? Do we? No, no. Could could you? But we do have a 
We have a domain, think we could, but I haven't set anything that up? up for it. Uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, I guess. Yeah. Or should I just do, do, do my email? Okay, fine. Just do. Um, wait, what is the what is the this? This won't be again? published for a week anyway, because we I just published episodes one, two, and three last week. I'm still catching up. Maybe I'll get like we four, don't five, even and know six what the domain week. of the fucking show is. That's how new this is. No, it's reactor. What, what, is, AM. what is it? Reactor. 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 Am. Okay. Yeah. So, you what, you bought that? I think. I, so I, what I, do you I, like? Do you like info at reactor.am? Contact at reactor.am? Hello at react. What do you like? Guys, mm. guys at reactor.am. Guys, the guys. <laughs> <laughs> the guys. Uh, that's uh, that's uh, captains. What? Captains at reactor.am. What, what, what do you want? I yeah, don't. Uh, you can I don't know. This. Uh, hosts. Hosts at reactor.am. Oh, that's so boring. Oh, um, all right. Hosts. Mm. Uh, let's just see. Okay, yeah, we can think on it. We'll come up. Okay, with that we're later. Gonna, okay. We're going to do something better, but for right now, it's hosts at reactor.am. And uh, if 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 I see ten emails come into hosts at reactor.am, I will do an intro. Cool. That's it. Yeah. All right. So well, this is great. Any, so, so, uh, any news so you want to talk about? Yeah, we have some uh, subscribers. I've got a ridiculous amount of news that I want to talk about. Are any so of them much. Redwood JS? No. What's that? That is a new framework, which I saw on Twitter. It's from uh, Tom Preston Warner, who's the guy who made a lot of GitHub, but he also, before that, like did open source, like uh, Gravatar was his thing. Yeah. Uh, he made Jekyll, static uh, static site generator. Also, mm. Toml, the uh, the file format that's kind of like YAML or, or mm. uh, some of these others. So, same person. So, basically, written by someone who is pretty good at open source. And this is a Rails-ish looking thing for JavaScript. Mm. It uh, bundles up React, GraphQL. Uh, it's, like, it's like a Jamstack Rails-y kind of thing, but it's got generators. It's got like a slash web directory and a slash API directory. So it's, it's opinionated, which I think JavaScript needs so badly. Like my biggest complaint with uh, building anything with Node isn't anything related to the language itself or you know the performance or anything like that. The biggest problem I have is there are 12 decisions to make at every single point of the app and different mm -hmm. people make different decisions. And because of that, if you jump into a new project, you have no idea where stuff is and everyone's got their own idiosyncratic way of doing it. And there are all kinds of arguments about it, whereas you know, you know Laravel. If you go to another Laravel app, you know what directories things are going to be in, and you have an idea how everything mm -hmm. works, and you can jump in and move quickly. And you've got generators and a bunch of other conveniences. Mm -hmm. Redwood yeah. is doing that for people who want React and GraphQL, Prisma, uh, Babel, Webpack. What is GraphQL? Whoa. Uh, GraphQL is, uh, that is an alternative to REST that has gotten really popular the last few years. And it's uh, it's really nice for a front-end engineer. You basically query, uh, say, you can say like uh, query, users, open bracket, name, and then next line, ID number, and then next line, um, friends, open bracket, name. You get like the names of the friends. So you send the exact shape of the data you want the server to return. Mm. And that's actually the next thing that I'll be teaching on Alchemist Camp. It'll be mm -hmm. a, a pretty long uh, paid uh, a paid series. And that's the next thing that I'm going to teach on Alchemist Camp. It's going to be that, a pretty long paid series. But is that um, <clears throat> that next thing that you're going to teach, is that outside the scope of um, Alexia? I mean, that's just, just basic JavaScript stuff. Well, it's not. I mean, it's it's a specification. It's like JSON isn't about Elixir or about Java or even JavaScript, although JavaScript works really nicely with so, it. So GraphQL is a specification that is not yeah. Elixir. Exactly. It, it so, is a specification for a string you can send to the server that will uh, get a very specific response. The reason it's, I'm asking is, does this mean that you can expand your audience beyond the Elixir community? No, I don't think so. So the GraphQL is something that's getting more and more popular, especially for front-end developers, especially for bigger teams, 
Facebook uses it. It's been going on since I think 2014 is the first time I heard about it. We, we were just starting to, or no, it was 2015. We were just starting to use that at Verbling where I used to work. And uh, you can have whatever you want on the server that's serving the GraphQL, just like, you know, you, you don't have to have a Ruby server to set yeah. a, to respond to rest, right? It can just be whatever. Yeah. Um, but there's a, there's an Elixir library called Absinthe, which is mm. for Elixir users who want their server to serve GraphQL. Got it. Got it. And okay. th- there are some cool things though, that Elixir can do specifically thanks to Phoenix channels, like for GraphQL subscriptions. Okay, great. So, yeah. Um, That's nice. So anyway, this, this is kind of a, a, a modern stack, uh, React, GraphQL, Prisma is related to GraphQL. It's a, it's a thing that's... Uh, but is it going to uh, be slow for... like Indie Hackers? I doubt it. I mean, Indie Hackers is great content and the worst UX of any site that I like willingly go back to. And that, that's a gigantic Ember app. So like Indie Hackers problem is they're sending you like eight megabytes or maybe it's reduced to like three megabytes now. But when, last time I checked, they were sending eight megabytes of a bundle. So if you're on your phone or something, of course, it's going to take forever. It's really, really weird. I, I mean, I don't understand. Like, I really like what they're doing. I really like the guys there, but um, such a strange site. Do you know, like, well, Cortland said just, he regrets that he was learning Ember. That's why he used it. It doesn't even need to be a single page web app. I mean, it just makes no sense. I mean, yeah, it's like, I've why would you make point. a blog a single page web app? You know, it should just be each page should just be served. Because you want to learn a new framework, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so th- this one is, pr- it's probably not going to be p- too many people learning a new framework for it. This is going to appeal to people who already want React and Prisma and Webpack and Babel. And a oh, lot of that okay. stuff's common anyway. Just ties it all up. So why do they call it Redwood? Uh, maybe because they grow tall. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. That, here, this, this is my guess. Redwoods <laughs> grow from this tiny seed into these gigantic trees. And if you use Redwood JS, you can scale from a tiny site up to this gigantic thing, thanks to it being <laughs> on the Jamstack and having first-class support for Lambda functions and nice. um, all that. So okay. I'm probably that, going to play around with it. Cool. So, what's so next? what have you got? Yeah. Uh, well, I want to just talk through the... Um, I'm just going to do a screen share here. I want to talk through... Let me just double-check that I'm in a good place to do that screen share okay while you're checking that i'm going to say i bought tailwind ui last time oh lovely i did so it was you know i was just thinking about getting my analytics site built out and it's like i want all these these uh nice looking pages on it and it'll just speed it up so much so this is one of the components a pricing component that comes out of the box and it's got all kinds of nice uh, all kinds of nice things built into it. It's it's responsive. It's got neat little interactions. It's got uh, um, you know, nice design. And there are hundreds of components in it already. And most of the things on the screen that I see for uh, the listing of what you can get with Tailwind UI uh, say coming soon. So uh, basically it means they're really going all out and it's going to be huge. That is very cool. So is Alchemist Camp going to get a facelift? Mm, or is it going to be for Maybe new someday. I, I'm going to use it for new projects first. Okay. Uh, I mean, Alchemist your, Camp... Your stats one. Yeah, Alchemist Camp needs a facelift at some point, but it's more work to do that than it is on a new one. Okay. So, um, all right. So if you look at my... This this was my goals last week. So basically uh-huh. to get my blood sugar in a range of uh, basically to keep it in range over 70% of the time um, and to do to do significant work on the task flow CSS HTML UI framework. Mm-hmm. I didn't get quite as far as I wanted on the task flow, task flow stuff, and I'll show you that in a second. But first, I want to talk about the blood sugar stuff um, uh, because, I don't know, I've, I've been trying to crack it for so long and I yeah, think it's a big deal yeah. and I think it could help other people. So just, uh, but but what's really interesting about it <clears throat> is it's 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 hard data. Mm-hmm. But there's 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 a little bit of a story uh, to this as well. Um, so after we did the last show, 
Yeah. I um. This is where it looks like you're backgrounding me, by the way. <laughs> I'm not. I'm looking at the screen. I'm, I'm just. Oh, I don't right. know where you're so, going with this. <laughs> yeah. So after we did, after we, so this is a bit of a story. So after we did the last show, um, I, because I've had this continuous glucose monitor. I've been sort of, you know, I guess self-quanting, looking at what's what's going on, and mm-hmm. I also got this blood pressure monitor as well. So I got this blood pressure monitor and I put it on, and saw that my blood pressure was kind of okay, but I was lying down when I took my blood pressure and then I sat up and then I took my blood pressure and it, it, it changed. It wasn't so good. And I was yeah, like, that makes what sense. The? Yeah. I was like that, but does it make sense? Because it was, it was significantly different. And then it's, I stood up and it was even worse. Yeah. And it's, then I, it's higher sitting than, than lying and higher standing than sitting. Well, uh, okay. But it's taking me out of range in a bad way. So in other yeah. words, st- if I do the blood pressure standing up, my blood pressure is completely bad. If I do my blood pressure lying down, my blood pressure is fine. So yeah. I was like, "What the heck?" So I googled that and saw and found a study of ten of ten thousand people where that essentially means that's a that's a very strong indicator that you've got heart disease. Mm. Uh, okay. So I was like, "Oh, that's that really hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, holy crap! Like that's that's bad." So then I googled. What has anyone ever been able to reverse plaque from the arteries? You know, is there is there any meds, anything? The only thing that's ever done that is a vegan diet. <laughs> really? Okay, yeah. that's that's interesting. So there's there's actually studies, like multiple medical studies, where people have reversed heart disease through a vegan diet. So this is this is what I already knew I should be doing for my diabetes, but the problem is, is I haven't been able to stick to it. And I've over the last ten years, I've tried it multiple times. I've tried all these different ways of doing this, but I finally worked out a sustainable way of actually doing it like a, like a, like a plan. And I'll, I'll talk to you about that in a second, but first of all, I just want to show the, the proof in the pudding here. So, um, if we look at here, this, this is, this is the de- the, the, the last week. So this is basically when, so you're looking at a, a page with a bunch of stats about, yeah, so this is, this week. is my, this is yeah. This is my uh, this is the blood sugar monitor thing that's plugged into me all the time. So um, this is you know 20, uh, February the fifth to March the fourth. Yep. And wait, Febru- wait, February fifth to March fourth. That's probably too much of a time range, but still, it makes the point, which is twenty five percent in range and seventy five percent high. So, right. Sorry, what are you? Ta- I don't. I don't completely follow. Okay, my blood sh- blood sugar. Yep. So basically, this thing's tracking my blood sugar all time ta- all the time. And this is, I'm trying to be under 200 uh, milliliter, uh, 200, basically, whatever the measurement is, uh, MGDL. And um, over, over that very long time, from the 5th of February to the 4th of March, I was 25% in range and 75% high. Oh, so, gotcha. so, and, that's, and that's what it's been like for the last 10 years for me. So if most of the time you're... Or in general, you're 25 percent of the time you're in range, and 75 percent of the time you're not. Yeah, yeah in, the rest in, of the time in, your blood glucose is too high. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and but which which basically lays lays the foundation for kidney disease, like liver failure, like heart disease, all this stuff. You stuff know? you don't want. Yeah. Stuff stuff you don't want. And so, um, so if we look at last week, 87 percent in range, which is basically phenomenal. Like. That's that's a week. So 87% the last in range. Week, 87% in range with an average glucose reading of 167. And usually you're 25% in range. Yeah, I'm so usually less. I mean, okay. over the last 10 years, I've I've usually been like very, very barely in range ever. So <laughs> so it's a bit it's a big breakthrough. Um, you know, and it's it's kind of it's it's pretty cool because and w- the reason why I'm so excited is because it's a it's a it's a way of eating that I know I can sustain. So what so, did you do different? Thank you. That's exactly what I was hoping you would ask. <laughs> <laughs> um, what I did different was I I I reframed it and went back to our, our mental models. Um, where uh, let's see your luck service area. You just uh, you just uh, um, try to spend time in the the vegetable area of the uh, grocery market or grocery store. <laughs> uh yeah so first first principles um 
So thinking, just 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 going back to so the solution basically first principles, keeping it really small, and just rethinking the idea of diet and and food and what works from the ground up. So so I know that I've tried a few different plans. I've tried you know high fat, some carbs, some greens, and and some alcohol, and that basically doesn't work. I've tried high fat, no, uh, that, that doesn't work, but I can sustain it. And it doesn't work in a really bad way. That keeps me between 200 and 300. So 250 Jeez. to 300. Okay. Okay. You know? So that's really bad. Like, and that's what I've been doing for a long time. You know, <laughs> I've been, I've tried high fat, no carbs, some greens and no wine. So basically being really strict on an Atkins diet. Mm. And that also doesn't work. I mean, it, it's, it's better. It keeps me just hovering just around 200. But if I, if I even have any carbs, then it goes up and stays up for a long, 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 long time. And so, so this is the other issue is like insulin sensitivity. Like does, does something, uh, if you, if you have some carbs, will it go down? You know, mm. um, well, when, when you have what I learned from the mastering diabetes um, community that I participated in, um, was that basically if you have fat in your blood, that stops insulin from being effective. And so even though I've tried to do what they, they suggest, which is basically be, you know, high plant, low fat, it's so difficult to do. I, well, in the past, it has been so difficult. To do. It's not low enough, I guess. No, it's just, it's just sustaining it. It's a very difficult thing to sustain, to actually live off plant-based food. Like for yeah, me, that makes you know, sense. And have you ever tried it? Have you ever uh, like, yeah, I, actually. So I, I was a vegetarian for a while when I was younger. I was, I mean, I was living in Boulder, Colorado, so it's fairly common. Out was there. that low, was that generally low fat vegetarian or just regular? Mm, vegetarian? I, I wasn't, you know, just, I wasn't buying like, you know, avocados every day or something like people often do now, but, uh, it was, uh, it was basically just like a standard late nineties vegetarian type. Yeah, but, uh, which, then so I, I think actually that went be totally yeah. vegan for a little while and that didn't work for me because I was that running was... like a hundred miles a week and Cheapest. my body well, just needed, I, yeah, I, I, I started breaking down. So then after okay. that, I, I just went to a standard American diet, which works pretty well as like a 20 year old who runs a lot. Mm -hmm. But you know, now, now I probably have to have to modify back a bit. Well, what I, what I want to show here is, um, this is some charts. So I'm, I'm showing some charts here of like my last seven days range. And the reason why this is important, if, if we, um, if we just look at these charts, what I'm showing is, is the line of, of when I eat something, blood sugar spikes goes up to 209, then it goes down to 120. And by the way, 120 is basically normal person's numbers. Mm -hmm. That's, that's pretty good. Um, so see how it spikes, but now I'm just going to change the, uh, the time range here. And um, right. show you. So you were talking about March 11. You yeah. were you were getting down a normal range. So let's go back because you need to understand how significant this is. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The, so the charts so <laughs> now are all like yellow, and there's a red line uh, way but, under but the. Not, yellow. But not only that. So this might be just me. So so. That's like the amount what, over 200. Okay. This is the amount over 200, but not only that. It's showing that what the chart is showing is is that there's no peaks and valleys. There's just straight above 200. So I'll have. Was I'll that be on the this. Atkins? Was that the Atkins? That's, this one? is Atkins. So I'll be on ah, a bit of. Okay. I'll be on a bit of. Um, like I'll, I'll be on low fat and some carbs, or low fat and no carbs, and then I'll have like just a little bit of a carb, like something small, half a banana, and then basically it'll bump it up, and it 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 will just stay up over an extended period of time and just not go back down. So like yeah. you can see here, like two seven five, like this is this is life damaging numbers that yeah. I've been living through for the past ten years. So I, I've got some friends that have done like really strict ketogenic diets, and it seems like if you do that and you're just completely adhering to it, it's not bad. It's actually pretty good. But if you're eating like all those fats and then you have like any carbohydrates at all like the numbers get really bad really fast. So it seems well, like you really, you that have is to basically do like all so or nothing. So what I found is it's, it's basically impossible for me to just do high fat yeah. without, with no carb. So it's just an impossible lifestyle choice. Anyway, 
Just so yeah, you, so you, you but you found something you can do. Okay. So what, yeah, what are you I'm, eating that that you can stick to that's that had those way better numbers from this month? Okay. So first principles, keep it keep it simple. So I, I've reframed the problem. What are you eating? Like what's the, just give me? I want, I want the hack. The hack is I've I've been thinking about this through the lens of um, through the lens of technology, and thinking okay, I want to turn build create a food framework. Okay. And the hack the hack is it's so fucking simple, right? It's it's um, but you got to let it me get. Requires, it requires mental models to, <laughs> to say what you eat. It does require mental models. <laughs> okay. I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's really simple, but isn't how you get there important? I guess. Yeah. All right. I mean, basically, I'm. I mean, what am I? I'm. I'm obviously eating vegetables. Yeah. That's so okay. End of discussion. Okay, so you're eating lots of vegetables, and then you're not as hungry for other stuff. Right. Okay, but I was not, I've never been able to do that before. So all right. So so how how did I do it this time? Right. The reason is is because I'm thinking of food as like a technology in the same way as Soylent. So what? So I thought, okay, how do I create vegetable? How do I turn vegetables into a Soylent type of concept? Hmm. Okay. So basically, I want because the the idea of Soylent, which I thought was interesting, was it's just this food substance that you eat uh, in the main. So you sort of eat it as all your functional meals, but not as your going out meals, not as your having fun meals. So the idea of Soylent is they've used technology to create a food, put it in a bottle. You, it's sort of kind of nice. It's just there. You just grab it. You just you just use it. So it's purely thought, utilitarian. So is it possible to do something like that with vegetables? So what I created was um, this this I guess salad mix, which I've. Um, sort of cut up and I, and I realize I'm not very good at explaining it. That's because it's just so new. It's, it's so new mm-hmm. to, to me. I don't understand how to explain it in a quick way, but basically, is it a set what, meal? Like one set no, it's meal. Not you a, it's not a set meal. What I, what I've okay. done is I've created like a vegetable kind of rice. <laughs> okay. So like, hang on, let me just, let me just grab it. I'll just show you out of the fridge one second and then you can describe it to the listeners. All right. All right, so he's he's got some Tupperware container. He's holding it up to the camera, and it has lots of greens in it, and some yellow and some red, other color, very colorful. Looks like a big salad. So so basically, it's a it's foundational. It's a foundational ingredient that I just shove into a bowl, and it it doesn't have too much of a specific taste one way or another. I mean, it is kind of nice the way that I've set it up, but I use it like rice. Hmm. So it's it's the foundation for every meal. So like one meal, I'll put like veggie mints and, uh, you know, soy sauce or whatever and just use it like a rice base. Another meal, I'll do like ginger and like some ginger dressing. Another meal, I'll do some kind of veganase type dressing. So it's it's just this, it's a huge bowl of pre, pre-prepared uh, salad that's chopped Really, finally, um, that's got a got a mouth feel because salad is normally when you think about salad, it's like these big leaves. It's kind of yeah, difficult to yeah. difficult to eat. So that so this is sort of chopped down really finely, and it's just available to just grab, shove in a bowl, and then flavor it any way you want. And okay. that is the thing. So it takes zero time. I yeah. prep it. I prep it a huge bowl of it. It lasts for three days. So you made a healthy default. It's just like an easy default base for your meal it's the base for everything it's yeah. base for everything while while i'm just german so even if i'm working at home if i'm sitting in the kitchen i just run to the fridge i grab it and i, I can make like three days worth in one go so it's sort of like soylent if soylent was like yeah. really healthy yeah so it's it's a combination of super greens and red cabbage and carrot and all this different stuff so, so you did soylent before too like how how is that exactly. for your blood sugar or do you know horrific horrific, horrific. that makes sense yeah, yeah. horrific um so like I'm not even thinking about, um, but I'm not even thinking about it. And the reason why I'm so excited, and it probably doesn't sound like a very exciting thing. Well, it kind of. Well, it kind of does. Well, so you're you're right. Okay, so I I I take back my skepticism about you wanting to introduce it through a, a mental model, as crazy as that seems for food, because uh, just having a good default is super powerful. I I can imagine that. I mean, really basically, easily. it's a it's a. It's a framework. It's thinking about food through the through the lens of the framework, the mental model. So basically, keeping it simple, 
foundational, like, you know, all, all that stuff that we've spoken about from, from the get go, um, of this, of this show. And it's, a, it's a good motivation hack too. Like, I, I like that. How do you mean? Uh, cause a, a lot of times, you know, it's like our, our willpower is strong in a burst when we're making a decision. And then the rest of the day, if you set it up so that it's, it's really convenient and, uh, easy to do the wrong thing. You know, like if I, if I just have like the front of my refrigerator be candy bars, like I'm going to be eating lots of candy bars. So you've, you've basically reduced the amount of willpower it takes to eat the kind of thing that you've decided you want to eat. And it's working at least for, for a week or two. Well, the, uh, the other really interesting thing about it is already within the past week, I've had two, um, I guess blowouts with wine and you mm. know eating badly like so <clears throat> which would normally that you, you saw the yellow charts that would normally like knock me out for a couple of days well this was one of them here and um i'm straight back down so this so for for people listening so basically on a sunday i had a blowout with a couple of glasses of wine it tipped over 200 and then went back down to uh 160 and then last night Wait, how I long was it over 200 uh, so let's see, um, six to, to 11, so oh, three hours. So it, was, it was just a few hours. hours. That's And okay. so the same thing last night, I did the same thing, a couple of glasses of wine. Then I had a couple of bars of chocolate <laughs> and, oh. um, and essentially it went over 200 for like three hours and then went back down. But it was, it was vegan straight. chocolate, right? Uh, and vegan no, wine. I'm, I'm not strict. I'm, I'm oh, not okay. really being strict vegan. I'm, but I, I, this is not so much about vegan, I think, it's just about having that continuous throughput of roughage in your system. So it keeps your body working, mm. which then, um, and it gives it good stuff and then keeps it. And no, I, I, would, I, I, was just, it sounds... I was just joking. Like a bunch of my friends oh, yeah. and I used to have this idea of, you know, just marketing everything as vegan, you know, like a vegan yeah. Coca Cola, vegan this. <laughs> Um, but yeah, yeah, I guess I'm a little overexcited about this, but maybe I'm, I'm, it's just because it's a problem I've been trying to solve for many, 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 many years. And you've, I, you've heard yeah. me try and solve this problem. I wouldn't be podcast. too excited okay. now, but if you're still like, if you are still on this in two weeks, that would be pretty exciting. Well, okay. But I mean, there's already, there's already a couple of, um, provable facts here. I mean, you've like, done, I, you've, I, you have a, you're showing me a good week of stats. Like that looks, yeah. That, that okay. Well, I mean, promising. all I got to do is stick to this, and I can tell you, yeah, it's going to be pretty yeah. easy. Well, that I'll I'll hold you accountable. I, I'm uh, I'm right. uh, unilaterally making that one of your one of your accountability goals. Okay. So stick to stick to eating plan. Yeah. All right. I'll try and do that. Yeah. Th those are those are some great stats. So, uh, was there any? Did you have a, a news article too, or? No. All right. Well, I had a couple things I wanted to talk about. Um, one is, I, I don't know if this is worth mentioning, but I, I saw the most, uh, the most soul crushing humble bundle I've ever seen in my life. It was, what, uh, what is a humble bundle? Oh, humble bundles been around for a long time. It's, it's this thing that's, uh, uh, it started off as bundles of games where they just sell a bunch of, a bunch of games for like, you know, $5 and you get 10 games or something or oh, $1 oh, yeah, you get yeah. some games. They've expanded it to books and I've bought some books through them before. Like uh, I got a bunch of no starch press books, which are one of my favorite couple publishers, but they had one today or yesterday that was for dummies. And it was like, uh, you know, get your first job for dummies get uh, <laughs> like get a, a an IT help desk job for dummies learn javascript and get a job for dummies and get that's an info the, the actual job for dummies for do yeah 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 the for, yeah the for dummies series yeah but just seeing like all this stuff and it and the price is $1 uh, it was it was absolutely soul crushing it was kind of like the moment in uh, idiocracy when they go to costco and the guy just like welcome to costco i love you to every single person that came in <laughs> So, um, looks soul crushing. But I, I'm confused. So, Humble Bundle is a third party. How how are they selling? Are they just selling? How are they selling these 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 official for dummies books for one buck? 
Well, they are Alexa rank 1400. So they yeah. have a ridiculous amount of traffic they've built up over many years from selling lots of uh, games and other stuff. So I think they just go up to publishers and say, we have a huge audience. What have you got for us? And publishers just see it as marketing. But I've gotten good No Starch Press books through this. Like I, I got uh, like Real 15. Books? Yeah, yeah. So, so these, so in my hierarchy of tech publishers, probably number one would be No Starch Press or maybe Pragmatic Programmers and then Manning close behind, then maybe O'Reilly and then like a bunch mm -hmm. of junk. But uh, yeah, th these are like good, like the Rust book, the, the Rust programming language was uh, co-written by Steve Koblenik, who's, you know, the person to be learning Rust from. And it's it's kind of the, uh, um, I don't know if it's the official one, but it, it's the the uh, most respected reference, like the main Rust book, was in a bundle that I got for like eight bucks. And how do they afford, I mean, obviously you pay shipping on top of that, right? Oh, they're all eBooks. Oh, everything's digital yeah yeah so i, I think okay. every humble bundle like whether if it's games or books is digital only okay that 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 clarifies things yeah because i'm like how the hell is that possible uh but but if it's ebooks then it's, it's not costing these yeah it just, doesn't really cost anyone anything other than the just sending yeah. you the bits okay so yeah um yeah and thinking kind of related to this uh it's not a mental model but are you familiar with the idea of consumer surplus um, well, I am because you've discussed it with me, and I I really like this, and I was hoping I have, we could talk about this. Oh, uh, right, year. right. So it, it's something I've been thinking about, uh, partially because I'm interested in economics, and partially because it's uh, th there's this really really strong ethos in indie hacker slash bootstrapper communities, where uh, I guess it's because Patio Eleven showed up on Hacker News a thousand times and said charge more. Uh, and you've got uh, like MicroConf, like Rob Walling, all those people saying uh, charge more, raise your prices. Uh, Nathan Berry's story making convert kit. He, you know, he went with something premium right away at $49 a month and people didn't exactly want it for that much. And instead of lowering the price, he changed what he offered till they did want it for that much. And uh, it's, it makes sense. Like I see why a lot of people getting started want to charge as much as they can. Um, there, there is a point though, where I think may, maybe it's, it's a bit overrated right now. So what I'm, what I'm imagining is say I produce something that is worth some money. Like say I paint a picture and to you, that picture is worth $10. If I charge you $5, I have gained $5 and you've gained $10 of value in exchange for $5. Maybe that's a bad example. Say, say it's, uh, um, some, some, uh, um, analytics service and I can improve your sales by X amount and you make 200 more dollars in sales. If I charge $100, you might buy it and benefit from it. We both benefit. Mm -hmm. But if I, if I want to like push it hard, I could try to charge you like $195. And you still get $5 extra value on top of that. And, and like, you know, maybe you do want to buy it. That's kind of like buying Facebook ads or Google ads. Like the, the prices have just gone up and up and up mm -hmm. to whatever the limit people will pay for it is. Uh, so the question is, how much consumer surplus should you take? Uh, should you go for like 99% of it? Or should you let the consumer have, you know, 90% of it? Because I, I, I've seen both of these things work pretty well. Um, some advantages of charging more is you, you have more money to work with and then you can improve your product and maybe you can grow faster. Some advantages of not taking all the consumer surplus would be, uh, say, like what Adam Wathen has been doing. Like he has been, basically he's been selling $1,000 products for $150 from what I've seen, like over the last five years or Laracast, same kind of thing. Like Laracast is an insanely good offering. And for many years, it was just $9 a month. And I think even now it's only 15. And what I think that does is it gets you, uh, first of all, it gets you a lot of really happy customers. 
So retention will obviously be better, but beyond that, you get a lot of goodwill. And so we're saying, so just, so just to clarify, so mm. we're saying that the, the consumer surplus for Laracast is they could charge you $500 because maybe you, um, you, you can use that, that knowledge to upskill your job and you could earn, you know, many thousands of dollars, you know, in your job. So it's probably, it could be looked at one way viewed as a very expensive product, but they still give you the same value and they only charge you 15 bucks a month. So it, it's, it's that this, and the surplus is between 15 and 500 kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think it's pretty easy to compare because there are a lot of competitors to Laracast or, or in fact, like Alchemist Camp in some ways is like Laracast because I'm selling screencasts and there's a subscription right. and I'm charging $21. And uh, that's partially because I have to because it's a much smaller niche and there are fewer alternatives. But Jeffrey Way has made a lot of videos and they're really good videos. And I don't think anyone else has made uh, any, anywhere near as much. It's, it's ridiculous. And he's kept really low prices. Um, but the interesting viewpoint I thought that you had about this was from the founder's point of view. So, so as a founder, because we've discussed this before, as a founder, a founder can put out stuff and the founder can make a decision how much, how much surplus how much of the surplus am i going to give to the the end people who are buying from me versus how much am i going to keep for myself yeah so if so if if someone is putting out a thousand dollar product and they're knowingly giving away you know uh 950 bucks and just charging 50 bucks then and they're sort of making that decision to be that giving i thought that was quite an interesting concept versus someone who sort of knows that it's worth a thousand and they're going to get, they're going to charge, you know, 950 and they're just going to take everything that they can kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so, so what, what was interesting is, is that from a founder perspective, there's some level of, um, of goodwill that you're putting back into the market. Let's call it your goodwill surface area. <laughs> well, we don't need a surface area on everything, <laughs> but, but here's the thing about goodwill that that's interesting. Uh, Goodwill helps you grow because it gets you more positive word of mouth and it can't be taxed, right? Like if I, if I just harvest the consumer surplus and people are, you know, they're not upset or anything, but I've just got like a normal service and I'm saving a lot of money. Well, that, that all gets taxed regularly. But if I produce something that people love, there's no tax on that. Like, that just accumulates until whatever time I decide to cash in on it by, by selling something expensive. Yeah, but you wouldn't really be able to sell that one thing expensive because people would hate that price point to go up. Um, so you'd have to do not, a new product. Maybe, maybe, or just, just keep adding to it and slowly increase the price. But um, it, it's, uh, it's also another, it's also kind of related to the idea I've, I've had about you know, like, what do you do? This comes up on indie hackers all the time. It's like, what do you do if you live in a place where employers can give you crazy non-compete? We own your entire brain, you know, everything it creates, even at home, even with your own equipment. Um, well, like one thing you can do is just make a lot of free stuff and build up your, your goodwill. And if more people like you and you have more of an audience, then once you do leave that job, you can start selling stuff to that audience. Yeah, that is a good, that it's a very so good plan. I, I, I don't necessarily think that, um, that, uh, that, you know, Ben Ornstein, who I think is one of the most extreme, um, I, I don't necessarily think he should, you know, start selling everything cheaply because obviously like it's, you know, it's worked well. His, uh, his rails course seemed to do pretty well. He's got, uh, um, great business with tuple, but, I think there's, you know, there, there are like multiple strategies that work, you know, you could go his route or you could go like an Adam Wathen route. And, uh, I, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't want to just reflexively say, no, you must charge more for everything. There should be a name for that. That should have a, like, a, maybe it's not a mental model, but it should have a name anyway, I think. I, yeah. It's not a, well, consumer surplus. Like it's, it's not a consumer surplus sounds so boring. It should be 
there should be like a, a fun, a fun, funky name for it. <laughs> uh, it. It should be, there's no tax on love or on, <laughs> I don't know. It could be a yeah. tagline. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's something I've been thinking about probably because I've, you know, getting, getting close to launching a new service and I'm thinking, uh, how, how, how do I want to price it and how, you know, how, uh, how much do the, I want to increase after it goes past the freemium? It could be a blog post title could be something like consumer surplus or how goodwill can increase your profits. Something like that. You know, yeah. Yeah. Goodwill. I, I definitely see it as a long-term strategy. Yeah. Like if you only have one year and you got to make something happen, then you probably do want to charge more in almost every circumstance. Okay, cool. Um, maybe I'll, I'll do, I guess I'll do share and, um, just give you the update on, uh, task flow. Yeah. Yeah. I want to, I want to see that. Oh, uh, I, I had some thoughts on that too, because oh, last cool. time I was talking about, uh, including the, so basically last time we were talking about, you've got your strategies, you've got ingredients that are used for the strategies of the tasks you're doing. You've got users and users can create their own strategies and they can create their own ingredients what are we going to do on the database side? And I was saying, look, we'll just keep track of how much every ingredient is worth for each strategy for each user. And if they haven't linked the two, then we'll just put a zero in that column. And that was a bad idea. I, for some reason, I was, I was thinking of like a matrix multiplication where you've got, you know, two matrices or you've got this matrix, you're multiplying, you've got zeros, you're, you know, that's, um, that makes total sense. But in the context of a database, like we just, it doesn't have to be that complicated. It could just be some join tables. We just have uh, join tables for users and strategies and ingredients. And you'll just have something that's like, uh, you know, join strategies and users where user is Justin and ingredients where ingredient is used by the strategy. And it's, it's going to be performant enough for a long, long time. And then, uh, if it gets truly massive, then you could uh, you could look at at some like uh, um, NoSQL with uh, replicated data. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I I kind of steered you wrong. Sorry about that. All right. Cool. Well, yeah. I mean, it's something that uh, that I'm I'll I'll just keep circling back with you. You know, as I work up some solutions and do some testing on on the product. Um, so what i've been working on is really the framework so you know again thinking through the 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 i guess the mental models that we spoke about from the beginning of the show just thinking about um building the framework to build this um so i sort of started building out that css framework and i've got quite far so this is um what i'm just showing here is uh different aspects of the framework that i've built so the first thing is these made this little cheat sheet for myself so here's here's the kind of short code so it just makes it super easy so if i want to do something like a font size 10 i just do like an fs-10 if i want to do something like you know text left i just do a tl and so th- these have been pretty quick and simple to to make um and then when i started building with it with with these you know building front-end stuff with these uh short codes um and i know this is basically what tailwind has done and yeah um this is this is what i've been doing for a long time but i've sort of i guess codified it now like since you told me about tailwind i've been like yeah that that really was a good idea that i've been doing for the last five years maybe i should really double down on this so I, that's why i sort of decided to do that wait 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 wait, wait, wait. wait so, so you mean double down as in like start sharing re- it on github or yeah just-, just just actually structuring it rather than just like do, you know doing things because the way that i've been doing it is like i've been like Oh man, I wish I just had a quick way of just centering this. Okay, I'll just write a quick little thing, you know, to center it. And then it's just been adding one by one by one by one, you know? Right. I've never actually thought, okay, you know what? I should just go ahead and do a clever lots of short codes thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. um, Got it. yeah. So, so this is that. So, this is just makes it super easy. And as I showed you last time, um, I've also created a responsive version of all of these. So, for example, if I'm going to do padding, uh, left, so padding top by fifty. I can do padding top responsive by fifty, and then that will basically, as as the screen size changes, it will also change things, which works really nicely, by the way. Um, so then colors. So this was to do, this was just to make it so that it's super easy to skin. 
So mm-hmm. what I'm just showing now is how I'm flitching, flicking between the dark oh, mode I like and the, the light dark mode. mode. Yeah. And um, I c- I've got all these, so I have colors and short codes that makes it super easy for me to just sort of see exactly what it looks like in dark mode and light mode. How and many I've shades of really, each color do you have? Uh, I think it's 12. 12? 12 of just the base color. So there's only one one thing where I've done shades and everything else is. So I've I've basically got a main color, um, which is like a main nav, so that's dark up here. Mm-hmm. A secondary color, which is the background, and then I've got um, the text color over the ma- a text color over the main, and a text color over this, and then a highlight color, and then I've just done shades of um, of the, the primary the and the color. secondary. Yeah, the primary and secondary exactly. Yeah, and then so I can sort of see. So that makes it super easy to create a skin because you know, the skin is only, you know, 20 lines long kind of thing. Mm. Um, I, I definitely so, like how it looks, especially the dark mode. Yeah, I, I'm having problems with the light mode myself. I'm not not super keen on it. So then with fonts, these are the select of the fonts, and I can sort of, just showing now how I can sort of go ahead and go into my cheat sheet font screen and see quickly how I can choose fonts. And then uh, buttons, I created buttons there. So I can move into a dark mode, there we go. Um, and then here's, here's a little sh- you know, short codes to create the button. Um, so what is the and- motivation for, for making your own version of Tailwind? Since you identified that you want something organized and you're doing something very similar to Tailwind, like what inspired you to start doing this instead of just grabbing Tailwind? My motivation is because over all my years of experience of development, whenever I've used someone else's library, I've never been happy with it. And it's always gotten me, first of all, I have to learn it. And I find that takes a significant amount of time to understand Mm -hmm. it. And then second of all, for me to get it perfect and exactly where I want to go, the last 10% takes me a lot of effort. In fact, more effort than it would take for me to just build it. So so has that even been the... Has that even been the case with with lower level like utility things like underscore js? Do you use that much or no? Dash, so like so so it's so it's like pick your poison. So it's specific things. I used to do that with PHP. I used to always build my own PHP mm-hmm. frameworks until Laravel, and then I I've and had then a, I got a, I got a boost out of Laravel. Yeah, well, that, so that's interesting too because I've I've had really good success with uh, something low level like underscore or low dash. Because I, I mean, it was just adding really standard stuff like pluck and each and that kind of thing that JavaScript didn't have at the time. And I've also had good experience with like the entire framework, like Rails or Laravel. But it's those medium-sized things like, uh, um, you know, like, like uh, Angular or React sometimes, or uh, um, uh, I, I can't think of any examples off the top of my head, but, um, but I mean, uh, React is okay, but but it's it's the medium-sized libraries that have really gotten me. Let me give an example. Like I've tried to use Bootstrap, so I've I've tried. I mean, Bootstrap, I do keep yeah. trying. Yeah, because I do I do keep trying. I go back and I try them. But for example, with Bootstrap, like just the way that it does, um, it's it does too much. It, it, well, it, it's even the way that it does. It's, it deals with responsive and then. It's just it's just a lot of code and it's just heavy and I I just know that like when I when I build my stuff I mean this is this is eight k what I've built like so far mm. it's just eight k you know and and I know I can do everything I need to do and I know what works and what doesn't work so True. you know you know so um anyway just continuing so that, that this is the input so just want to keep it super simple and then this so then obviously we spoke about there's a layout um for the web and for the app. So I'm just going to show you very quickly uh, the layout. So this is um, just super simple. So I know that with something like Tailwind, there would be lots of classes for ways of like doing layout and grids and stuff like this. But I really don't need that many, you know. Like I just need columns, and I just I just need it to work in one very simple way. And I'm just showing you that there. Um, so sorry for anyone on the podcast. And then just finally the combination of it. There's a login page. Yay! Hmm. That's cool. the login page built out of those components, then it just it just looks fine. Um, and then here's uh, the basic layout of the app, just starting to to build the layout of the app there. So that's kind of where I'm at with that. Yeah, well, this, this seems like a lot of work on the design, but it also seems 
super valuable for this kind of app because it's it's a pretty competitive space. Well, you you start off doing the framework stuff, you know, doing the underlying framework stuff. Yeah, you start off um, slow. It's basically exactly the opposite of. Uh, the, okay, here's the reason why I like to build my own frameworks. It's exactly the opposite of using someone else's framework. When you build your own stuff like this, you start off slow, so you spend a week. But then the, the further you get, the faster you get, and you can really start popping stuff out at the end. So the last 10%, you can build the whole site. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's the other way around with the framework. You kind of get to the full site you know, sooner, but it's super hard to make it work like you actually want to work if you are detail-oriented. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. Um, how, like, when do you think you'll have like a V1 out there? I think so. My goal, I guess, my goal for this time next week is to just have um, the rest of this the UI, so the full UI done. The UI based on the based on the framework stuff that I've done here, and and then um, I guess the week after that, I would start like wiring it up and plugging it into uh, databases and start using it. And I guess like you're going to use Laravel for it, so I guess yeah. that side will be a lot faster for you than the UI probably. Yeah. So. I'm I'm hoping to have something maybe t- like two weeks from today. Let's hope. Let's see. Cool. Which is not bad considering you know I started a week ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like three weeks, three weeks to actually start testing something is pretty good. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm uh, interested in seeing the progress. I, I could you use sound a better. Really uh, interested. Well, you know, this is <laughs> this is how I am, especially uh, especially one a.m. or whatever it is. The, yeah, uh, right. I, I, no, I, I do need I do need some better prioritization. Right now, whimsical is I, I'm kind of like putting everything into whimsical, but I've already done that before with many other things. Well, let let's see your your stuff. So so I'm I'm pretty much done because um okay I I basically my goals are stick to the eating plan and prove that 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 new way of thinking works, and my second goal is uh, get the rest of the UI done. The, okay. The next week. Let's so just stay. Me. Let's just so stay on this page because you can add my okay. goals in as well. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Um, since we we share the doc, the uh, um, so so my my progress from last week isn't super exciting because I, I made you know another video and I did some stuff. Uh, what I did was I upgraded to Live View zero point eight point one. So I was on zero point five point one. And I was going to upgrade to like 0.61, and then a new one came out, and then I was going to upgrade to that. And then I finally did upgrade to 0.81 and screencasted it, published it on YouTube, getting you know good traffic, good uh, good retention. But I just you know I, all I did was an upgrade, and the uh, the uh, the worst thing is Live View 0.9 just came out, so <laughs> I'm really just. Uh, building on a, a castle of sand or a foundation of sand here. Oh, so this this is like the elect so that they just keep on shifting the elixir library under you or the live view. Live library. view. Yeah, it's I think this has actually been a bad thing for Phoenix adoption because or for elixir adoption because the most exciting thing is Phoenix live view. And people that's been the most exciting thing for a year and they've been encouraging people to make stuff with it. And it's still not version 1.0. So, and, and it's great. There's progress, and I know they needed people to work with it in order to, uh, you know, work out the kinks. But for the past year, like everyone's like, "Well, do I use this thing? It looks cool. Maybe I should use it." That's why I came here. Well, I'll just wait. But then it never comes out. And I, I hope 1.0 happens soon. I really, really hope that happens soon. So it can just get it yeah. set to a certain yeah. place. But in so, the meantime, you are. You're building videos, teaching people how to yeah, use yeah, this. Yeah, it's, yeah. So it's I, like, whoa. I did some upgrades. I taught some stuff. Uh, I, I also built out a little bit more of the site. Um, so I, I should have the podcast pages all done uh, before the next video. But the biggest goal I have for this coming week is uh, work on the analytics app. I want to get the landing page done. So I've bought Tailwind UI. I've got a bunch of good components to work with. I, I don't think there's any reason I can't have the the landing page, the sign up, the uh, the pricing page, all that stuff done. Learning. So you mean you, you mean uh, like wired up or just the front, just the just the front end? 
oh, well, the back end takes like five minutes. So no, no problem there. Um, I, I may not have the, uh, I may not have the things done that I need to authenticate users to use the API. I probably won't have that done, but I'll have, I'll have the, you know, the landing page and the sign up, all that stuff done. Have the, the, the UI built or the, uh, the, uh, the marketing UI built. Okay. And number two is continue building the, continue building the site for the number two is continue building the site for this podcast. Number three is once again, attempt to put in some time uh, on Git internals. Uh, as I said, the Laravel, well, the, the Laravel course, I, I, I was planning on doing that or I, I did that, but it was all stuff I already knew. So uh, I, I have to, uh, I have to go to an actual book and number four, I, I feel like I need a number four just in case things go quickly. <laughs> oh, okay. no, no, number four will be write uh, notifications for Alchemist Camp. Implement notifications. Okay. So people can see when a new video comes out that they're, they're following a series in or a comment on something that they've commented on. All right. That is a plan. Um, any final, okay. final thoughts? Uh, no, live long and prosper. Oh, until next time. All right.